As we conclude our together series this morning, let's turn to the book of Ephesians. Chapter 4, verses 1 through 6. But before we read, I invite you to take a moment of silence. To open yourself to God's voice and presence with all of your faith and with all of your doubt this morning. To open yourself to the possibility that God might speak to you this morning through the witness of Scripture. I invite you. Listen now for the word of the Lord. I therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. The word of the Lord. Please pray with me. Holy God, take my words and use them to amplify your reconciling and liberating eternal word and take all of our thoughts and transform them so each and every thought might be held captive to Jesus Christ and then take all of our lives and fill them with your Holy Spirit and sweep us out of here into the world that you love and have called us to serve. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So this morning I want to offer a very simple truth. I want to share a very brief story, and then I want to give you a very weird image to put some flesh on this text and to wrap up our sermon series on our new vision statement, which is encouraging one another to follow Jesus wherever we live, work, and play. I also want to give you a Q-tip. Everyone have a Q-tip. You should have received one. It should be sitting on the chair that you're sitting on. We'll get to that. Okay, so just hang on, and let me invite you to love your neighbor by not sticking this in your ear for the next <laughs> 20 minutes. We're going to use these Q-tips to help us remember those who have helped us hear God. So just wait. But before we get to all that, I want to draw your attention to an article that I read just a couple of weeks ago in The Atlantic. You might have seen it. It was entitled, A Less Lonely Way to Lose Your Faith. The article begins by asking the question, where do non-religious people go to find community? Where do non-religious people go to find community? As growing numbers of U.S. adults are disaffiliating from faith-based institutions, from religious organizations, and from churches, as the nuns begin to rise, and by nuns, I don't mean nuns, I mean N-O-N-E-S, those who, on a, on a survey of where do you affiliate religiously, click none. As that continues to rise, especially with young adults, some find that the secular life that they are entering into actually lacks community structures, sense of belonging that were once offered by the religious community to which they belonged. 
So new a-religious communities are kind of taking shape across the United States. And one of the ones that the Atlantic talked about, you might have seen it, was called the Oasis or Oasis. And here's how the Atlantic writer described Oasis. So what they do is, and remember this is an a-religious community. So what they do is they meet every week on Sunday morning to hear live music, an interesting talk for children's activities and to take a break with coffee or donut. During the week, members and participants convene for potlucks or game days or spend a few hours raking leaves or serving together at a local food bank. So like one reaction to this is like, this is just, this is church. This is basically church. Um, but there's a deeper story here, once we can kind of get underneath our cynicism, and that is that each of the people who belong to these new communities, they're seeking out these new communities, they're looking for a place to belong. And the place that they did not look is the church. And so if we can kind of put our cynicism on check, which admittedly is difficult for me to do at times, maybe we need to take a step back and let this force us to ask a question about our own life together here at Covenant Presbyterian Church. And that is, are we the kind of community in which people who are losing their faith people who are wrestling with their faith, struggling to believe? Are we the kind of community that welcomes those individuals along the journey? And, and can I just say as a pastoral note that if you resonate with this, this idea of losing your faith or struggling to believe, wrestling through some larger questions, if that's where you are right now, if you don't hear it anywhere else at Covenant, hear it this morning, please don't leave. We need you here. We do. We need your questions. We need your doubts. We need your experiences. And so I, I hope that you feel welcomed with us as we continue to try to figure out what it means to follow Jesus as a community. But the story should also invite us to ask another question, and, and that is, what is the function and purpose of our life together? Are we simply a community that gathers together to hear live music, which is wonderful, hopefully an interesting talk, to share a cup of church coffee or a donut and then repeat. Is that really living a life worthy of the calling to which we have been called as Paul urges us here this morning? And if not, what kind of life together could actually be worthy of such a high and holy calling? Notice what Paul writes just before the passage for this morning. He ends chapter 3 with a beautiful benediction. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. To him be glory in the church. This means at least this, that we live by the promise that there is a power at work within us, which is able to do far more than we could even ask or imagine, and that the church is a community where God is glorified. This is the church is calling. And here's why I think this matters for us. As wonderful as the church is, as wonderful as our community is, our calling is not to be the church. 
Our calling is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. That's our calling. The church is just the name that we give to a community, which is glorifying and enjoying God through their life together. I think that that's the only calling that is actually worthy of the death and resurrection of our Lord. All of us have callings. I mean, we've talked about this recently. Whether we are called to family, to be parents or spouses, whether we're called to specific careers, to vocations, to be doctors or managers, attorneys, teachers, public servants. We all have these callings. Life summons us, God summons us, and we answer that call. But the truth that I want to offer this morning is really simple, and that is that the highest calling upon each of our lives is to glorify and enjoy God forever. And the beauty about this calling is that it can, we can do it in a lot of different ways. We glorify God and enjoy God when we gather for worship. We glorify and enjoy God when we take our vocations and we use those vocations to seek the flourishing of our own city and those who live within it. Young people can glorify God by doing their algebra. What's important for our text this morning, however, is that it's important to recognize that we're all called to this together. Pay attention to this. The the English translation of the Bible has a tendency to make uh, important passages of Scripture a little bit more individualistic than they were intended to be. And the reason for this is that in English, we don't have a good word to distinguish between second person singular and second person plural, except for Texans. Right? This is what I'm learning. This is great about Texas. So if we use the Texas translation to really grasp what Paul is saying in this text, and believe me, this exists. I googled it. If we use the Texas translation, it would read, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beg y'all to lead a life worthy of the calling to which all y'all have been called. I'm catching on. Which means that we're in this together. We're in this together. We all share this calling. And thank God for that gift. Thank God for that gift. Because left to ourselves, I think that our spiritual hearing deteriorates. We stop listening or we stop hearing God's calling to us and for us. And if we stop listening to God's call upon our lives, how could we even begin to imagine leading a life which is worthy of it? A few years ago, my seminary teacher told me the story about the mosquito ringtone. Have you all heard about the story of the mosquito ringtone? You know about this? I'm getting a couple of nods. So a few years ago, the mosquito ringtone was a ringtone that was really popular with teenager cell phones. And the reason being that it was a ringtone at such a high frequency that teenagers could hear it, but adults couldn't. Which is so terrifying for adults. Oh, and by the way, kids, if there's any kids here, ringtones are those things that millennials paid too much money for uh, so that they could get like 30 seconds of a Britney Spears song to play on their phone when their boyfriend or girlfriend. Anybody resonating with me here? Okay. Well, it turns out that, that a security company developed this, this high-frequency tone, developed this technology uh, to keep teenagers from loitering in their department stores. So, like, anyone who's ever worked retail understands, like, what a blessing this is. True story, the plan was to like blast this ringtone through the speakers out into the stores. The adults who can't hear it would stay and they would spend their money and adults who are just hanging out would go cause trouble somewhere else. 
So what's interesting about this is that, as it turns out, as you get older, your hearing just naturally deteriorates to a degree that you can't hear these high frequencies. This is true for almost anyone over 20 years old can't hear this high frequency. It's called presbycusis. It's totally scientific. You can Google it because Google's, I don't, science. Um, (laughs) But the best part about the story is, is is that not that the company developed it, but that the teenagers, once they got a hold of it, what they did with it. They used it against adults. So one of these, one of, some young person found out that this was, this was something that they could do. They developed it into a ringtone, and they used technology to do what they've always done with it, which is to connect with, with each other, to be social, to share their lives together, even if that means just texting each other in class and using a ringtone that the teacher can't hear. Anyways, here's the thing. It's not only true that our physical hearing deteriorates. It's not only true that there's a thing called presbycusis that those of us over the age of 20 uh, develop. I think it's actually true for our spiritual hearing too. Whether it's the older we get, the smarter we become, the more we think we know, the further we get away from that one time that we heard maybe God's voice so clearly in our life calling to us. We have a tendency to stop hearing those frequencies in which God speaks to us. And as a result, we can't hear God call to us like maybe he once did. This is true for us as individuals, but maybe also the church has a form of kind of theological presbycusis right now as well. Where we've lost our ability to hear clearly from God about what God wants from us. And so we just are anxious about what the future might behold in a culture that seems to be changing so rapidly. Maybe what we need to do is listen to our teenagers more or our young people, to their questions. Maybe we need to listen more to those who are young in Christ, those who have just come to believe or pay attention to new and fresh worshiping communities who seem to be hearing the frequencies that we haven't heard for a while. Maybe that's one way. Maybe though we don't really have theological presbycusis at all. Maybe we just have a bunch of gunk in our spiritual ears, which is making it hard for us to hear from God. Maybe the gunk in our ears is shame. Maybe it's an inflated ego. Maybe it's overwhelming doubt. Maybe it's just a busy practice of everyday life. Either way, we've got this buildup in our ears can't hear from God. We can't hear God calling to us. We need a Q-tip. And this is where I'm going to depart from sound medical practice, by the way, metaphorically, at least. What we need is a theological Q-tip. Everyone have a Q-tip, okay? I'm going to actually, this is interactive, okay? This is different for us Presbyterians with presbycusis. Everyone have your Q-tip. With all this gunk in our spiritual ears, we have a hard time hearing God call to us like we once could hear. So look at your Q-tip. Now, in my experience, I'm sorry, choir. I'm sorry I didn't get you Q-tips. You got Q-tips. Great. Great. Thank you, Melanie. The best Q-tips are other people. Companions on our spiritual journey. People who help us hear from God. 
People who have the uncanny ability to remind us who we are. Persons created in the image of God, redeemed by Christ, and called by the Holy Spirit to lead lives worthy of the gospel. It is clear out the gunk in our spiritual hearing, making it so that we can hear from God again. So what I'm going to invite you to do is I'm going to just invite you to name your Q-tip after someone who has been that for you. Who has been that for you in your life? Maybe it's someone who's younger. Maybe it's someone who is older. Maybe it's someone in your own family. Maybe it's someone that you haven't thought about in a long time. Whoever it is, the point is that God has used them in some miraculous way to get through to you. To break up that gunk so that you could hear from God. Take a moment. Name your Q-tip. For me, I'm going to name my Q-tip after the high school student in our congregation who went to Belize last year. And upon returning, shared about hoping and praying that she would hear from God in big and dramatic ways when she got to Belize, only to discover that God does not always speak in such a dramatic fashion. She reminded me that God does not always speak in the whirlwind. Sometimes we have to slow down, pay attention to the slow work of the Holy Spirit, to understand that sometimes God speaks in the silence. So there's another part of this too. And that is not only do we have people in our lives who serve as theological Q-tips, but you are that Q-tip for someone else. You may not even know how God is using your life, your questions, your doubts, your experiences, your kindness, your service, to break up the gunk in someone else's ears so they might hear from God, so they might remember that God has called them. I invite you to take your Q-tip home and to thank God for this person and to remember that you serve as this person for someone else in our community. This, to me, is the true miracle of Christian community. This is why we meet together for worship, week in and week out. It's not just to hear some good live music, a talk, to share some coffee, some FaceTime on the patio. The reason that we are gathered together is because we believe God has called us to glorify and enjoy him forever in and through our life together. And we really need each other if we are gonna be able to listen for that calling. So think about our new vision statement, encouraging one another to follow Jesus wherever we live, work, and play. Not as just some fancy slogan to try to organize our life for greater efficiency and impact. Think about it as the real work that we put in, the work that we do to help remind each other that we live by the promise of the power of God, which is abundantly far greater than anything we could ask or imagine. And remember that if we're going to live life together in such a way that is worthy of our calling, we will first need to help each other listen. May we help one another hear God calling us and may God be gracious to us as we listen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.